Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast. This is your guide to the geek side. And I'm your host, Todd Oxtra. Along for the journey is my companion in time, Charlie Carton. We're on a sentimental journey. Oh, yeah. What's up, y'all? One of the podcasts I listen to, every episode, the host introduces hosts, and he always comes up with something new. And every time, that's really hard. We have enough hard enough time coming up with, like, the Madam Web, you know, gut joke. But it's it's hard being witty. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's hard for you. <laughs> oh, my. You do it every time. I'll let you do it yeah. every time then, Charlie. No, no. That's too much <laughs> the pressure. I don't like The it. heat is on, my friend, just like that Because the heat SNL's is end. on. Yes. Yes, and oh, yes. the heat is on across the United States as it's all burning. And unfortunately, we do not have, like, the goddess of weather, like Storm, or anyone to come in and put these up flames out. So, um, well, it's just we'll it's, to- it's it's burning and it's sharing. I was I was staying at a friend's house earlier this week and walked out uh, to get my car to drive away and she's leaving at the same time and said, somebody's smoking out here. I'm like, no, it's a damn wildfires. You know, 2,500 miles away, we're getting we're getting all the stench. Ah, uh, Fire Lord, why are you so mean to us? Put out your phone and go away. You're right, exactly. Yeah, go, go to Smokers Anonymous. Is that a thing? Did I make that up? I don't know. It probably is, yeah. Could be. <laughs> oh, well. Um, but you know what? When we're not talking about Fire Lord and the mistakes he's made over time, we're talking about how you can show your love to Secret Friends Unite by subscribing on YouTube, get, and then basically uh, comment or let us know what you want us to talk about on future shows on YouTube, because now we're adding more and more there every week, soon to be Code 47, uh, mm-hmm. and the whole family will be on video. It'll be great. Um, and then right. if you're on iTunes, um, go ahead and give us a five-star review in iTunes. If you do, we'll read it on the show. Um, and the cool part is you don't even need to have an iPhone or a Mac to do that. You can just do it on your PC and leave a review there as well. So, uh, you know, Excellent. and then if you want to talk more geeky stuff with us in real time, you can always come to the SFU Discord group. So, Charlie, you know what? the discord group could be talking about today it is this beautiful wonderful cover of pep number 335 pep just makes me feel like mm, mm, mm. now 35 cent cover price is gonna say now does it ha- oh wait it, it, oh, i think it has the date in the um on nope, the it just has the march there. it just has okay. march as the month but yes but at, but as my magnificence i know the 35 cents was uh Early, early, late seventies. Uh, yes. So that's what's up. But yeah, you, you got Archie in a cloud of, I'm assuming, marijuana smoke because it's the seventies. Uh, this disco reminds me is algebra class. I'm always in a the fog there too. No, Archie, that is the stickiest of the icky. That is the marijuana. And look at Jughead in the back. He's wearing uh, essentially what looks like John Travolta's outfit, but he has no hat. So somebody hat. That's like his. That's like his uh, object of power, you know. So, I know. You know. It's like seeing Loki without the helmet. Um, well, and and, look yeah. at the look at the one kid in in the uh, in, in the foreground on the right is wearing like what basically looks like the sportscaster's outfit with the the tartan pants and the blue blazer and the the, the vest, and the the big tie, just so seventies, very seventies. Yeah, I love so it. Pep, Pep, I don't know what. 
Pep was for Archie's comics, but I mean, obviously we had Archie, you know, Betty and Veronica, we had, everybody had their own comic and they lasted forever. I think they're still going on. Um, yeah, and I remember yeah. those Archie digests, which were, they were like five inches, you know, tall and really thick. And you buy them at like the grocery right. store. And Always at like the grocery store. $1.25. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I remember those in the, the, you know, the, the little grocery store in the town where my aunt lives and I'd go spend summers there. And it was like, they had a spinner rack back in the day. And I remember one of the comics I picked up, it was the summer they, they did uh, Craven's Last Hunt. So summer of 1987, but that was always the other, like the Archie's Digest, and the yeah, stories like are always the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're always the same. Collection. And, I mean, yeah. What what uh, what other stories are there to tell? You know, he's 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 horny, and he's in Riverdale, and going to get burgers and fries, and get to maybe second base. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and he was the only guy that got away with liking two chicks, and they never like killed him over it. It was just very uh, weird. Uh, I mean, you, everybody's got their kink, man. It's okay. It is weird, though, because a lot of, like, pop culture, like, comics and things like that, they were always multiple years behind, like, the trend. So, like, this might be, like, 78, Charlie, like, 1978. I and they're finally so. talking about disco. So, it's, like, disco right. kind of, like, happened in, like, the, like 74, 75. So no, 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 no. Was no, it earlier? No. No, no. Disco was uh, Saturday Night Fever came out in 78. So disco lived and died in the late 70s to like basically 1980, if I was a hazard to guess. Yeah, well, I think yeah. I think I think um, it actually is earlier. We just got Saturday, you know, Saturday Night Fever. Uh, basically, they said, if I look at Wikipedia, they said it actually yes, started in the late 60s early 70s oh, and continued became, okay. yeah it became popular later like your you know, right. disco and mickey mouse and things like and that when, yeah know? and when something becomes popular and it goes into the zeitgeist then even even in our memory when that's when we were born we tend to think about it well that's when it was popular because that's when when you saw saturday night fever like oh this is what everybody's talked about the bg's got you know had a career renaissance because of that but at any rate we're droning on this is not about disco, disco and archie come on this is yeah. what everybody wants to hear when they listen and Everything's Archie. You got it. Or the Archie's band. Uh, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So um, we talked about a lot of things, but now we actually talk about things that people actually care about. And to do that, we Maybe. turn to our gal pal, our senior news correspondent. Without So without further delay, Madam Webb, take it away. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Oh, Madam Webb, I tell you, I uh, I know you're heartbroken that Comic-Con was not in person this year, but I did check out your panel uh, for a little bit. It was uh, uh, looking for love in all the old places, and <laughs> that is not a pun to be entitled. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think you still understand that it's not really uh uh, an OnlyFans option, uh, oh. and, and I just don't think that's going to work for you. Would some of those old places be the chestnut tree and the wishing well? Uh, I'll be Hill. seeing you. Okay, very good. Well, what uh, what's going on in the news this week? We got a little bit of, like you said, the virtual con is conning. So what, what do we got? Yes, yeah, so lots of little news pieces are coming out. Comic-Con happened. It still actually happened this weekend. I checked out a couple of the panels. It's all there if you guys want to check it out on YouTube. Really cool. Uh, something for everybody actually had some real companies show up, did some real panels with some real reveals of, of entertainment, which is very cool. So um, out of that, uh, we got the Dune trailer that uh, Dune is going to be coming out in October. This is also going to be on HBO Max and in theaters. And um, this one looks to be... You know, Dune has been redone 
uh, multiple times. We had the the, the book, obviously, uh, right. a, a classic by Frank Herbert. Then we've got the 80s movie by David Lynch with Kyle MacLachlan and Sting. A lot of people didn't love that because they felt like it really didn't capture the heart of Dune. Then sci-fi did a couple of like miniseries and things like that, but I, which I enjoyed, but obviously it's still sci-fi on a sci-fi budget. Um, right. Then this one's finally coming out. This is uh, by, um, and you'll love this, Carly, because you were such a huge fan of it. This is by the director of the latest Blade Runner, Dennis Villeneuve. <sighs> that movie was a, a, a great late Friday night nap. What was that movie, like three hours long? And, you know, going to see it at 8 o'clock on a Friday after work, it's, it's, it's a bad formula for me personally. Cause and I just... yeah. It, it's, it just it didn't it didn't rev my engine, but you know what? I know there's a lot of people who are totally nuts. I mean, the first Blade Runner wasn't a big jam for me, and I would I would agree with you that I'm not some diehard what do they call them Duners Dunehead. Um, but this trailer looks magnificent. Yes. I'm, I'm totally on board with this. Uh, this is great. Yeah. You know I you know Chalamet he's he's the, he's kind of the. Uh, the you know male ingenue in Hollywood, he's a big big deal uh, for stuff that he's been in. And but to look at the rest of the cast, I mean, they took every like genre cast they could, and well, really all MCU because now you have Oscar Isaac who is going to be Moon Knight, but you have Josh Brolin, Thanos, you have Batista uh, who's Drax, and did I see other Marvel faces in here? This uh, Zendaya, MJ, yeah, Zendaya, yeah. right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, every, everybody who's not Chalamet is basically an, an MCU character in this. Which so you know you get a lot of warm fuzzies out of that, just out the gate seeing you know people that you enjoy their performances and stuff. And and this was a long trailer, three and a half minutes. Usually trailers are like two thirty flat, but there's just obviously a lot of story going on here, or, or mm-hmm. a lot of things that they wanted to tease us with. So, uh, is this supposed to be a super duper long movie? I mean, what's what's? The I story? would guess it is because I believe most times they've tried to do Dune, they do it. It's long because it is a long story. It's built. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about world building, Charlie. This thing requires a lot of world building. The the books themselves are like seven hundred pages each. Um, so it becomes a scenario where you do have this very rich you know, in instance where you do kind of have to inform people what's going on, what, why it matters, because it's not just a jump in and Luke's got, Luke has to save the empire. It's basically, there's issues going on with, uh, warring factions. We've got these houses that basically control the universe. And the biggest thing that they are trying to control is the supply of this thing called the spice spices life. It's basically, it's what fuels the world and allows the world to run. Uh, and this all is coming down to the fact that you've got Paul Atreides, you know, he's the young man who will take over the throne, uh, starts seeing visions of a world called, um, Arrakis, where these sandworms live and he meets this girl Zendaya. So this one feels a lot like a lot of like very Shakespearean and like the houses, you know, and, and, and freedom fighters and all these things that are coming together. And, and this man who apparently is destined to greatness to not only lead house Atreides, but also save Arrakis from house Harkonnen, which, um, you know, we've got, um, we saw that the evil folks like Dave Batista is one of them. Um, we've got Javier Bardem. Basically, um, he's going to be the leader of the Fremen, which are the free people of mm-hmm. uh, Arrakis. So it's 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 going to be very epic. And that's what Dune has always been. Dune has always been also very artistic and artsy fartsy, as you would say, Charlie. So that's why a lot of people are excited about Dennis Villeneuve because he does Re- basically Villeneuve. Ba- 
I'm going to make his name up every time I say it. Um, Why not? But he's, all, he's very artistic and he, he takes a different approach. And some people would say it's kind of slow and it definitely is, but he wants to add some artistic flair to what he's doing versus just making it a, uh, uh, over the top MCU show. So I totally so, get that. So what you're trying to tell me is that this will be like a 17 hour movie. Great. Really looking forward to it. I mean, I hope, I, I, I hope for not a repeat, experience with what we got with um at least my personal personal vibe of uh blade runner 2077 or whatever the hell it was but yeah i like this and uh, you know i'm fired up so you, you said this is october and then it's also uh, going to be uh, on hbo max so you don't necessarily have to go to the theater but this is definitely a theater kind of film i think oh yeah big screen i i, I don't know if this is an imax or not but we're gonna start seeing more of those movies with you know a bigger screen right. effect october 22nd uh see it on hbo max or in the theater uh hopefully this is good I am all for it. We're moving right along. Uh, you know, I and I watched this live. I was very excited. But uh, Star Trek, Proj- I was going to call it Progeny. Progeny. Progeny, uh is uh, an animated program that's going to be airing on Nickelodeon slash Paramount Plus. So I already had somebody ask me, where the hell am I going to watch it? I don't have Nickelodeon. Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus is the home for 100% of Star Trek, except for one of the JJ movies. So it doesn't count. But all of your televised Star Trek is found on Paramount+. Plus. So uh, we went all the way through this panel. Uh, did not get a release date, which did not please me. But um, this panel and the subsequent uh, Lower Decks panel, which we're not going to talk too much about, was hosted by a very giddy Jerry O'Connell who managed to, you know, uh, get tongue twisted and tied up. And it was fun. It was, it was kind of w- what's great about, you know, live TV, as it were. But, uh, no, this is a fun program geared towards kids. has to do with a group of aliens uh, in a disparate part of the galaxy that stumble upon a Starfleet vessel. Uh, and they, they, they're going to kind of take it as their own. It's going to be their salvation. Uh, but Starfleet has preloaded an emergency training hologram, which just happens to be Kate Mulgrew as Catherine Janeway as a hologram. Uh, so I already know it's that Todd as cool as a two-pack hologram. Yeah. Is, <laughs> I, we all know how much Todd loves Voyager. Uh, so we can already tell that he's teed up, but no, seriously, this, uh, this show looks to have a pretty exciting cast, uh, of the, the notable notables. Jason Manzoukas is a character in it, uh, veteran in, in, when April and I were watching it, she was going through D Bradley Baker, who is the voice of the, every clone, on every Clone Wars production in mm-hmm. Star Wars. Big, big deal. You have the daughter of the Taco Bell dog guy, Carlos Alizaki, who was also on Reno 911. That's the one young lady in this. Uh, and some other people that kind of sort of look familiar, will, but will become obviously more known to me uh, as this goes on. Again, this is geared for kids. Uh, it's set to release in fall 2021. So uh, over on Code 47, what we're going to do, if I can give a plug for my own program, uh, starting uh, the week uh, that we get uh, Lower Deck, so the week of August 12, uh, we are going to shift back to our format of talking about a single episode a week uh, and then news and, and outro and stuff just so that we can really hyper-focus on new material. When this show comes out, we're going to handle both programs at the same time. Uh, and then subsequently, as we get into Discovery, potentially Picard and then potentially Strange New Worlds when we get into 2022. So it's a good time for Star Trek. There's never been a time in franchise history when there's been this much buzz. The seasons might be shorter, but there's more of them. So you're getting more variety. You're getting better stories. Um, and it's just, it's a great time. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, especially if you're a Star Trek content creator, because ultimately you don't just have one thing and then you have to re-talk about it, you know, in Star Trek, especially, Charlie. 
right. talking about the same things you've been that have been out for years. And it's like, after a while, it's like, is there really much to new to talk about those old, old things versus something new that can really bring light to other parts of the Star Trek world? Well, and and I think well, that's yeah. important. I mean, you're absolutely right. There are podcasts that I'd listen to that like, oh, they're on episode four or 500. And they're like, we're coming around and we use the random generator to pick this episode. And, and believe it or not, five years ago, we talked about the same episode. And you're right. I don't want, I don't want code 47 to get into that format. And that's something that, that Rich and Aaron and I have talking about is how to keep, how to keep our format spicy. So it's like we, we've been doing half seasons at a time, but we're going to discontinue that of older shows. So when we come back, we may split that up. We may stretch that out so we can talk more. And I don't, you know, there's always possibilities, but as a content creator, our focus is going to be on this new material. And the way that it, the way that it looks, we could have a solid, almost a solid year of new stuff where we don't have to go back to the well for that old material. And, and that's very exciting, in my opinion. So anyway, this is fun. And then again, uh, there, was a, there was a panel after this about Lower Decks, which, of course, is, is entering season two. They had a lot of fun gags, including the Tom Paris commemorative plate, which Mike McMahon, who creates the show, says, I loved those commemorative Star Trek The Next Generation plates from the 90s, so we made our own. So there is going to be the day before Lower Decks comes out, so on August 11, you will be able to pre-order a commemorative plate with the animated Tom Paris on it that you see in the episode. So it's just, it's a chuckle. It's going to be fun. The Franklin Mint, man, oh man. Gotta love yes, them indeed. for all of their class, like the cuckoo clocks. Here's the Star Trek right. Next Generation cuckoo clock, right. just what you wanted. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited because this potentially is the best way Star Trek will make new fans from the very beginning um, because this is right in the wheelhouse. It's, it's, it's a really nice CG animated show. It's not like the uh, Rick and Morty style with, uh, uh, with, with uh, their other animated show. So definitely feeling different versus like Star Wars right now. Every Star Wars show kind of starts to look animated one kind of looks the same, that same style. Right. So I like same. it. You've got that artistic difference. Um, I like that Janeway is coming back. She's a touch of the old uh, right. in a different way. Um, and then you've got this group of basically, is there even a human among, amongst them at all? It's almost no. all aliens, right? No, again, yeah, because it's it's supposed to be, I believe, set in the Delta Quadrant, which is, of course, where yeah. Voyager, Voyager took place. And, uh, you know, us hardcores are going to be uh, interested to find out uh, how that ties in. One of the characters, and I know Richie and I have been very excited about this over on Code 47, is actually a callback to Peter David's New Frontier series, uh, novel series from the late 1990s uh, of a race Bricar, which uh, called Bricar, they're basically brick rock people uh, that have not been canon until now because those, you know, no, no, nothing yeah. that's not on screen with Star Trek is is considered canon. So that's very cool. So we're pretty fired up about that. Very, very cool. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's really great to see Star Star Trek really be ambitious, trying new things, and you know there may be some stinkers along the way, but that's okay because got to break a few eggs. Absolutely. You know, take chances and then uh, bring in more people along the way. So very, very cool, Star Trek. Um, and I will check this one out as well, Like just like I checked out um, almost every new Star Trek show. Rockin' with Dockin'. All right, what's up next? This one's you because it's not really my not really my flavor, but go for it. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, this is this is what's kind of cool about we, we've talked about this in the past, Charlie. How do you keep things alive if you your show no longer exists or your movie series no longer exists? And basically you go to other media, you make comics, you do, you know, if maybe you made a movie, you make a TV show out of it and vice versa. Uh, you make a cartoon. Well, or video games in this case. But in this instance, uh, we're getting uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina will live in, live on. That show uh, finally wrapped up, uh, but the creator of the show wanted it to continue kind of like a season six 
but in comic book form. Buffy did this, um, and other other properties have done this, where they've continued on the, the property in another media, and that's what The Chilling Adv- Adventures of Sabrina is doing. But basically, it's based off the Netflix series versus the other Sabrina stuff that's been going on with Archie comics. So this is very cool. So it's very great that you've got the creator involved, uh, which he had basically created this concept with the Archies before this even came out. So he's kind of going full circle. And uh, the new comic will be called The Occult World of Sabrina. And it'll be scripted by, uh, he'll be scripting it. And he's got art by um, Audrey Mock. And it's just going to continue the adventure of the team and these heroes' storylines. Uh, you know, they did 36 episodes across two seasons. Um, I think they did three. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is wrong. But I thought they did three seasons, 12 episodes each. And I was really happy with the series. Yeah, I, I know April loved it. And, and this would be another failed attempt for me to get her to read a comic. Because I tried to get her to do that with Orphan Black, which was another show she mm-hmm. liked that spun off into comics. So I give up. I'll certainly let her know about it because I know she really enjoyed the program. But regardless, um, that's cool. Yeah, you're right. It's good to see that. I know that it's kept... Uh, Firefly alive uh, that oh. kept that kept Star Trek alive. Uh, certainly, Farscape uh, has yeah, done multiple. The, uh, the Babylon Five did multiple. Yeah, so it's a great right. way to, to to further the fan base and give them something new to look forward to. Right, exactly correct. So, well, good deal. All right, well, what, well, Warner Brothers is one two punch here. You you promised me one story and gave me two, so you go ahead. Yeah, Educate so the, this well, I'm going to kind of layer it on Charlie. This is like two courses. Of same meal layers uh, so layers 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 well m- meals don't have layers unless you're making like seven layer dip 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 so this, the first junk. course in your meal today is the fact that warner brothers has announced that um they are going to pivot from their plan to do direct hbo max movies basically they'll go out in the theaters first they'll come to hbo max eventually but what they're doing is they're going to make movies exclusively for hbo max though these oh, don't even so go to going, the theater they're going the netflix route because you know that's yeah that's that, that's what that's how netflix is planned and building that library where still no matter how many times you explain to me i'm like how are they making money how are they making money obviously it's all it's all endorsements of somehow or it's all some kind of product placement or whatever so make yeah, that money so they're they're gonna shift to like paramount uh plus with a 45 day window gotcha that's so. not bad no, it's smart too. You've seen like the what was it the the Quiet Place two did that, right? And that movie did great because people right. didn't have. If you want to see that movie, most people don't wait forty five days unless it's Snake Eyes. But we'll talk about more about that in a second. <laughs> uh, but the cool part is with the forty five day window, which is great. They are going to have some movies that are exclusive to the service, like I mentioned. And one of those movies, Charlie, which I mentioned, is going to be Batgirl. Nice. And I, wow, straight to HBO. I dig it. Yeah, and they have cast the new Batgirl, and I'm blanking on who it was. I don't have up in the story, but that is something they're going to do. So this kind of serves uh, both audiences, kind of like the the DC animated movies do as well. So it's once again, it's another thing along with their TV sh- series there are got, like Titans, now is, direct, mm-hmm. is right on HBO Max. So they're doing movies, right. TV series, uh, animated stuff with DC, which means... Um, which is very similar. Well, it's 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 similar what Disney Plus is doing, but I don't know if Disney Plus will ever do any MCU movies direct to Disney Plus. Yeah, I wouldn't think so because it, because it's such a tentpole, uh, or it has been in the past. I mean, there's certainly um, there's certainly uh, you know ankling a little bit with uh, with Black Widow, um, but as we mm-hmm. talked about last week, the Black Widow thing is 
it's such a catch 22 because they set it up trying to get both sides of the audience. And then, but a lot of people are still looking at those box office returns and, you know, and thinking about it in the old way. So it's not what it was. And I know that I saw a a tweet a little while ago that said it, it plunged even further. So yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that, I would think that that would be unlikely. But it seems to be working out for Warner Brothers because they're, they're they're getting those crazy record numbers on HBO Max, and it's an ongoing deal. You want to stay subscribed because you don't want to miss out. Or if you leave, Something you're going every month. Out. Yeah, exactly. So Absolutely. yeah, a, re- yeah. a reason to let let your subscription renew. And if they keep the price reasonable, they're going to get more people out of it. So yeah, um, and and to tie that into another story that's part of this, Charlie, is the fact that Michael B. Jordan is partnering with HBO Max to create one of those direct-to-HBO Max movies, and this one will be centered on uh, a black Superman. And, and you were thinking, oh, but I thought they were making a... J.J. Uh, Abrams was developing a Superman film with ta- Nessie Coates. This is different. So this is an interesting bit. I like this. Uh, the fact that uh, basically uh, uh, this 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 uh, editorial written by Jamie Brodnax of Black Girl Nerds basically... I uh, got information from Jordan who said he does not want to engage in conversations about race bending, Cal Al, for the same reasons many of the fans are pushing back on the current Warner Brothers reimagined version of uh, Clark Kent. He would be, he's more interested in developing the character that is called Val Zod, which is a black Superman made for the comics. Absolutely. You know, and it's just, it's so ridiculous. There really is not a compelling reason to change a character because it's 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 a knee jerk reaction. This will be a buzzer, this and that. Why not simply create a, a character in this case or a character that's been existing? And again, I'm no Superman aficionado, uh, though I do play one in cosplay sometime. Kingdom Come, uh, and you know, always working on my abs and sucking it in so I can do Superman. Um, but yeah, give us a new character that actually fits the bill. You don't have to dump. Uh, something like Clark Kent in order to have a Superman, because again, Superman is an alien from a planet of aliens that are normal when they live there. And when they're there in, you know, the light of earth's yellow sun, they have superpowers. So yes, he's the last son of Krypton, but they always seem to be a few more here and there. Uh, particularly yeah, if you're watching, yeah. Yeah, particularly if you're watching the uh, uh, Superman and Lois right now, which April and I are a big fan of uh, over on the CW. I think it's over now. I think. It might be had a break. Close. It was coming back. It was no, a break, it had a break. Really. It was not. A, it was not a break, and it did come back. And we watched several. And okay. they just the last one we saw kind of seemed to be a season ender. But I'd, I'd have to check. Okay. I think. I think. I think it might be. Um, but anyway, this is one thousand percent the right, in my opinion, the right way to go. Create a new character or adapt a new character instead of for absolutely no good reason saying, "Well, now Clark Kent is black." Well, why? Where, where's Where's the story advantage? Yeah, and I believe he's from. I believe he is from a different Earth. He is from Earth nineteen. Well, there you go. Maybe Earth two. Yeah, he's from a different Earth. Yeah, yeah, and that's the beauty of the uh, you know multiverse storytelling is that you can Mm -hmm. do that kind of stuff to beat the band, and uh, you know we all know that that's the direction Marvel's going in. And I I heard some even more things about uh, what did I, I hear a bit? I was listening to the Weekly Planet. They said something about there's buzz right now that. Uh, that Haley Atwell will adapt the Captain Britain, Peggy Carter, Captain America, what if character into the Doctor Strange film. I mean, I, I don't know if I don't know if that's a confirmed buzz, but that's awesome. But, you know, yep. simply because I love Haley Atwell so much, I want to see her do absolutely anything. I want to see her read the phone book. I don't care. Um, but that that's a great what a great way to you know to cross pollinate and turn things over. But anyway, 
Yeah, this reminds me of how you can have uh, Miles Morales and Peter Parker coexist. Uh, so you're not basically upsetting one fan base to, to satisfy another. Um, you can have each character be unique, have their own background, which makes them their, their take on the mantle interesting and fun. So I like this idea, and I, I hope it works. Michael B. Jordan, you know, obviously it's very tough to, to cast him in another Marvel uh, piece, especially after he was, you know, essentially killed off as Killmonger. Right. So he can uh, take his... To clarify about Superman Lois, two episodes left, but they take another break because we watched an episode July 20, and then uh, it comes okay. back on August 10, and then again after on the Olympics. 15. And then it's over. Yes, the Olympics. Yippee. Yeah. Like, like, like I care yeah. about the Olympics. Whatever. Okay. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So look forward to that. And HBO Max, once again, doing their own thing, taking some risks. This allows them to take some risks and try new things on a lower scale. Doesn't mean it's not as important to being on the big screen. And quite honestly, this maybe get this character to the big to, to the screen faster than if it was right. a movie and getting bogged right. down. And still you can make a Clark Kent character and still do this. So very, very cool. Uh, but lastly, uh, we did out of Comic-Con, we did get a trailer for uh, season 13 uh, or series 13, I guess you would say. Series uh, 13. The UK. Yes. yes. Even though it's funny because we always think of series being like, you know, something different. But oh, well, um, uh, season series 13 of Doctor Who, um, a lot of this came up in the group. And it was interesting because people are saying like something just seems to be off and nobody can really pinpoint it. And it's not necessarily that it's a female doctor, but just something seems off. Like there's no buzz about the show. And I'm not sure because they took time off. They've gone away from the Christmas episode. Um, they obviously have, this is a new showrunner and the new doctor in, uh, introduced at the same time. So maybe has a different feel. Um, so the best way they can do to make a show um, feel alive again is change up the formula. And they, they, they've kind of been the same formula with Doctor, at least, you know, new Doctor comes in, new companion, and it's worked. Uh, some people didn't like Peter Capaldi. I thought he was good, but he took a while to, to really uh, warm up to because he was kind of the grumpy old man. And a lot of people didn't love him, especially coming after Matt Smith. Uh, but, you know, in this case, with uh, Jody, I don't want to say Jodie Foster, <laughs> Jodie Whittaker, um, you know, she was introduced. And not only was she introduced with the new showrunner, but she was also introduced with essentially three companions at the same time. So I never felt like she and a companion were allowed really to, to grow as characters because there were so many storylines and people sharing the screen and the dialogue and, and, and the real estate. So um, in this instance, though, we uh, found out during the New Year Days uh, Revolution of the Dialogue special, basically two of those companions went away. So now we're left with essentially one companion with the doctor, and that is Mandip Gill, who goes by Yaz, is still traveling with her. So I think this is a good thing because it means we get more time with two characters where we really get to see them develop a relationship. And that's a big part with the, the doctor and the companions is that relationship they form. Um, and this is going to be a good thing. So, um, there are going to be some guests coming in uh, this season, uh, but they also said that instead of doing more episodic stuff, they're going to have a more of a story arc for the whole season, which a lot of people really love too. Um, and maybe the, the monster of the week isn't always the best way to tell a story in modern storytelling. So they're doing these things, which I hopefully a lot of people will come around to. And, and above all, I hope the writing is good because sometimes so far the writing has been a little bit. Eh. 
Yeah, like I said, I we've not tuned back in in a very long time, so not one that I have a dog in the fight. So I will certainly have interest if people come back and tell me, hey, you know what? They changed this thing, they changed that thing, and they finally got things on track. Let's hope that would be great. Absolutely. So uh, this, uh, I don't don't think we have a date for this, but she's been gone a long time. Uh, I think the last season came out in 2019. We got that special in 2020. So definitely getting Doctor Who back in the face of Ray. The other part is Doctor Who is hard to find right now. It used to be on Sci-Fi and BBC America. I believe now HBO Max gets it with BBC America. So um, that potentially is a smaller audience, right? Because not everybody has HBO Max, but maybe if HBO Max can really get behind it and say the doctor is back only on HBO Max. That could be a big deal too. Faux show. Well, that does it for the news. So uh, let's let's bing up an Uber. Uh, let's dig out our uh, nickels uh, to toss in the tip jar up at the bar over at Geek Easy. Uh, let's go right now. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the Geek Easy. The cover band's playing. Drinks are poured. Well, I'm having coffee, um, unless it's Irish coffee that my wife snuck in there. But we Could shall be. see. Um, yeah, and uh, really quickly, I just want to touch back on Fear Street 1666. Charlie, you talked about it last week, but I hadn't yep, watched yep. it really. So I really couldn't speak more about it because I didn't watch it yet. So spoilers, guy, for the Fear Street uh, trilogy that we now just completed um man i really enjoyed this 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 series or trilogy whatever we call it um Ditto. and i i liked what they did with 1666 because it started in 1666 but essentially an hour into the movie that era ended and that we were brought back to beer street 1994 part two and i liked how they kind of changed up the format for that so um uh i liked their uh, assault uh, and different monsters that essentially showed up and how they kind of solved the mystery. It was kind of very much like a Scooby-Doo type of tale at the end. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, this movie had no problem killing people uh, or the right. series that, that you thought were going to make it and they didn't. And I really liked that. Right. Yeah. It wasn't the super obvious, like, Oh, they ain't got no chance. Uh, and they just, you know, it was going to go down like that. But yeah, if you have, you know, the one character walks around the corner and uh, he's like, bah, 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 and as you know, a, a hatchet gets plunged into his skull or the poor girl who's like, she's struggling with the killer and all oh, she's going to get off at the last minute. No, her head's going right into that, to that meat slicer. It was just like, wow, you did not really see that coming. Tough yeah. stuff. They weren't afraid to kill their darlings. Um, I will say it was funny because they introduced um, uh, the one, I guess he would be the, the custodian, the black guy. Uh, yeah. I'm like, and he didn't die. So people can say that, you know, they they, they saved most of the characters. They, yes. say, they yes. saved the black folk. That is crazy. Good stuff. Yeah. And I will say the my, my most annoying, the most annoying character in the movie had to be like the co-star, I guess you would call her the blonde chick. I'm like, you are so dumb and you caused so many problems and so many people died because of you, but oh well. <laughs> it was just weird. I don't know. I really didn't care for her. I thought she was kind of boring, but oh well. Um, but I did like the fact that there was a... Uh, did you stay for the end credits, Charlie? Um. Oh, God. I, you know, it is a couple weeks past, so I'm not sure. what. D- describe it to me and I'll tell you if I'm on board. Okay, so if you stuck around, they showed some things. I'm going back to the mall. And at the very end, they showed the crime scene, which was the the uh, sacrificial area. And they showed the book with like 
Please slot tape, do not cross. And of course, what happened? Somebody crossed the police tape. So a big hand popped out. And stole the book. So I'm like, oh, what? you left. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The book, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So I wasn't expecting an end credit. Uh, so that was kind of cool. So I was expecting to see Will Return. So like Fear Street will return. But I like this premise. I mean, if they've got the, if they own the rights now to Fear Street, they can adapt any of those stories, which would be cool. And, and R.L. Stein said he thought it was great. He said, you know, they didn't do everything exactly the same, but they captured the spirit, and that's really important to adapt. Essentially, 30-year-old books. I can dig it. All right, what else you got? Yeah, so um, we had a, a, a animated series that debuted um, on Netflix this week. It was Masters of the Universe Revelation. Uh, five episodes. I didn't realize it was only going to be five episodes, uh, which was very surprising to me. Uh, this well, was is, it not, now let, let, let me clarify. You say that it's five episodes because we watched it as well. Is it over or is there going to be five more think episodes it's over. like next week? Oh, okay. I, I don't think it's over. I just don't know when more is coming because I don't know if you saw uh, it, but okay. at the end oh, of yeah. it, uh, Kevin Smith had a little one-on-one with Mark Hamill about everything. And that kind of was a reaction. It was like the after show. Yeah. Yes, it was very yeah. Short. I did. Yeah. I, I saw that tag. Oh, so it was just, it was just a little thing. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. I believe but so. anyway. there was something more there. Yeah. But, and, but you know, I won't give any spoilers because it just came out. I want people to get a chance to wrap, but I mean, I will give you my overview of the series. This essentially is a sequel to the original animated series is not, uh, has nothing to do with the 2002 animated series. that was on cartoon network. That's a different thing. Um, but this is essentially, like I said, it's in a sequel. And it's taking where that established the characters and the lore, whatever. Um, I don't think it's incorporating anything else. Like there were comic book series. There were other things. There were like golden books back in the day, record books. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're adapting any of those things. Um, But they did bring in a lot of new characters that we previously really didn't see on the animated series. Um, Obviously, we had She-Ra at the time as well that introduced the Horde with Hordak. Um, that was not addressed here. I don't know if She-Ra is a thing with this, even though she was part of that. There was a Netflix She-Ra series as well. So I'm not 100% right. sure, but this, like they said, Kevin Smith was the executive producer of it. He wrote some of it. Um, and I know, yes, he is not like the biggest He-Man fan of the world, but I think he, he, he understood not, not, enough about it. Not a fan at all in his own regard. Okay. Yeah, yep. not yeah, but but that was that was when he walked back because he said apparently on Twitter years ago oh, I've never seen an episode of He Man and then when he's doing he's doing press for the show oh my god I'm so excited I've always loved He Man so it's Kevin Smith he he is a huckster of the highest degree he 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 is a yes. pitch man he's a show man he is his he's a brand upon his own brand he really is yes. Absolutely. And and ultimately, Kevin Smith is a good writer. Sometimes when he's doing his own thing, he gets a little self-indulgent and just, you know, lowers into like the, the lowest common like, denominator. You mean like you mean like Tusk and with the yoga hosers with the Bratsies? Uh, yes, yes. Sometimes his, he yeah, gets no. his, his, you know, insular, like, I just want to entertain myself and do things to entertain myself. It's a little because I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe your style of humor entertaining yourself is only for like five people from Red Bank, New Jersey. Maybe right. I don't know, but in this Just case, the, only, only the comic book man, only the comic book man, exactly. But he's written like Daredevil, which is a great run, which 
you know, he said himself, I don't know if he was always a big Daredevil fan, but he wrote a great comic and he was involved in that. So he's done things that are properties and given his own spin on them. Uh, and I think that's what we got from this. Um, he isn't the expert, but I'm assuming he hired people that were experts and he had, uh, you know, the, the, the holders of the license also keeping him on the right path. But I think what he wanted to do was the voice of reason and to say, who are you making this for? What is What's the purpose of this? And is it good or is it a cash grab? So I think he gave that layer of scrutiny on it that sometimes uh, real fans can just like, oh, this wasn't accurate. This wasn't accurate. He kind of tried to work both of those things. So in my case, I would say this is delivered exactly what I needed to deliver in regards to an update to the classic 80s cartoon um, because you cannot deliver that today in the same format where it comes off as laughable and dumb. The, the, the source material of He-Man was never like a Bible. It was never like the greatest thing in the world. It was something to create toys with kids. Yes, they had some people that were involved to write some of the the the, the, the lore for it in the Bible, as they would say. But I don't right. want that old show. I, I, I can't watch that old show. I don't want to relive that. I want something that's actually at the level of writing today, um, or at least they care, That that's clever. Gets some of the things, plays off some of the, the classic parts. Right updates the animation and has good voice acting and void good voice directing. If I get those with a comprehensible story, I'm good with it. Um, because people that are like, it's not the same. They don't get it. I'm like, guys, I loved Hey man. Halo's my first love. And I cannot go back and watch those cartoons because they're horrible. They're you horrible. know, I will, I will, if I can amend. And again, I didn't, I didn't really dig on this. Um, but that's, that's not even what I'm going to talk about. What I'm going to talk about is that I do have to agree with you upon a point, and, it, and it's somewhat salient, not only about what I'm going to talk about about the Snake Eyes movie, but the fact that there's a new G.I. Joe cartoon in production is that I tried to go back uh, and watch because episodes of the, the 1980s G.I. Joe cartoon series, with, which only ran for two seasons and a bunch of uh, miniseries that were before and after it. Uh, they, there's a YouTube channel that shows them all the time. I picked up a bootleg of the DVDs at Wizard World Chicago a couple of years back. They are difficult to watch even from a visual standpoint. I like some of the stories, but even from a visual standpoint, very choppy, nasty. And I think you and I were talking earlier today and you touched upon it's stuff that I don't – you, you want to have something that for G.I. Joe that maintains the seriousness or even or, or really kind of turns it up a little bit, but still maintains the characterization of, mm-hmm. you know, Duke and Scarlet and Snake Eyes. And, you know, which was, as I'll talk about in a moment, the, the biggest failing of the Snake Eyes movie was no characterization that was consistent or that you even cared about at all. Yeah. And this so, movie, I would say this, this series does turn outside a little bit because of the fact that. He-Man is not the is not in the title of this. He's not the main character of this. So be prepared if you're if you're not going to be happy with that. That's perfectly fine. But I would say He-Man was never the most charismatic character to begin with. He was just the most powerful man. He was, doesn't mean he was the most interesting man. You know, like the 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 what is it the Corona guy or no? Is it the case guy? Stay thirsty, my friends. Yes, that guy. Exactly. And and I think that's perfectly fine. In this case, though, we got more time with Adam, who really is. The, the the he is the touchstone he was supposed to be in this case we got someone else and we all we got in this we got more character development in these five episodes than we got in any he-man like in the 135 episodes there was no character development in that show it was essentially watching the simpsons and they never it was like back to square one we never had impact 
to the storylines. Um, we had characters die in this, and we had character growth and some touchstones that I thought were great. And some of the inside jokes or, or it's inside pieces that if you watch the show, you totally get what they were talking about. And um, I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I want to watch more. Um, I, I and I know in Rotten Tomatoes, like the critics are like, yeah, this is pretty good. Uh, and the fans are like, or the tomato meter for the fans are like, blah, I don't like it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's fine. But at least they weren't saying this is a pile of like the critics weren't saying this is a pile of crap. And the fans were like, I loved it. It was great. And I'm like, I'd rather have a quality piece of entertainment that still feels like Masters of the Universe than, oh, man, something else. I mean, this was not the Bayformers, right? Right. This was like two Transformers and 85 people. This was when they showed up in Jersey and then, you know, maybe that right. Courtney Cox. <laughs> That's ha- that sounds spectacular. Sign yeah. me up. I so love it. I don't know where this is going. I'm assuming we're getting more because we're at ends on a cliffhanger. I'm like, <clears> okay, cool. Uh, maybe they only have enough time to do five episodes now. More is coming like a, a split season, which I'm fine with too, but give me more. I'll take it. Right. Totally. So uh, for myself, uh, we went to the movies twice since uh, once on uh, Thursday and then once on on Saturday, yesterday. Uh, And we saw Snake Eyes. Now, this has been obviously much ballyhooed. This was billed as a G.I. Joe Origins film. So clearly teeing this up to be uh, the beginning of a new franchise because we know franchises are the name of the game. And this is this is through Paramount Pictures. So it's not it's not Disney. It's not Warner Brothers. It's it's Paramount trying to land their big fish. And let me tell you, this big fish was about this big. Um, This movie was god awful. There was absolutely nothing about it that worked and that is completely divorcing it from being anything related to G.I. Joe. And Todd, you and I talked about this many, many times uh, watching the trailers and you said to me, this does not, this is not G, uh, Snake Eyes to me. So, you know, this is not G.I. Joe to me. G.I. Joe to me is very colorful. It's, you know, it's blue lasers and red lasers and and big fighter jets and and this in crazy plot lines and Serpentor and Dr. Mindbender and Destro and all this different stuff. It's this the village had, people of the military, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. So this this had um, it had no charm. Uh, it had a very dull script. Uh, and then I, t- I turned to April. We ended up seeing this in IMAX, which was a huge mistake uh, because we like the recliner chairs and the recliner chairs in IMAX only go back halfway. So you're struggling to see the whole screen by doing this. I think I got a backache walking out of there. But anyway, she and I are walking out and I turned to her and I said, okay, to break this down succinctly, let me ask you this question. What cliches did you not see in this movie? Because that was the benchmark. Anything that you can dream of, cool guys walking away from explosions, the bad guy who pops up at the last minute because you think he's dead, this thing or that thing, it was all in there. The only thing I found somewhat interesting about this movie was the portrayal of the Baroness, which even that, you know, the Baroness is supposed to be a European aristocrat. This woman was uh, some kind of a Spanish terrorist. Uh, But... She she really she you know she just chewed scenery in that role. I liked it, but uh, the portrayal by actors that you would like Henry Goulding, who I think is a great actor. My biggest beef was that he couldn't he couldn't settle uh, on an accent he wanted to land. Feels like he started off talking in the movie like he was a like he was you know a, an American guy or blah blah blah, and then by the end of the movie he was speaking in his native British accent. So that didn't work. Uh, you know, so many of the the actors are are Asian, native Asian, so they spoke with accents that range from light to heavy. So that's a place for me that subtitles come in handy. But I mean, that's kind of neither here nor there. But a really great standout of somebody who was 
receiving poor direction and was just doing this for paycheck was Samara Weaving, who is, I think is a great actress. I've enjoyed her in, uh, we'd love that ready or not, which was that horror movie. That was awesome. I know she was in your bill and Ted movie, which wasn't great, but regardless, I think she's got a lot. She was in the babysitter thing in on Netflix that you and I both enjoyed. She was great. I like her, but she was stiff in this movie. She was Scarlet, terrible wig. Um, but she was so stiff. I was having this conversation with a buddy of mine who's another big G.I. Joe guy and a cosplayer. And I said, uh, you know, he said, what are the worst portrayals in the like actor portrayals in this film? And then obviously Henry Goulding was my first one. My second one was her. And he said, I got to agree with you. It was like when the cameras were going to roll, she asked the director, what's my motivation for the scene? And the director turned around and said, I want you to think about how much you don't want to be here. Cause that's what her portrayal was like. It was God awful. So, um, you know, Todd, you and I talked a little bit of this on the B roll, different things are going to appeal to different people, but you know, I know you frequently make the reference of, well, you know, well, if I didn't slap GI Joe or snake eyes on the front of this, would this movie be any good? This movie was not good with any of those things tagged down there. There was very sparing, References to anything related to G.I. Joe, very sparing references related to anything uh, to Cobra. This was really not G.I. Joe of any kind. I was surprised so, like you, like Jason Statham should have been in this movie because it seemed like a perfect like the transporter part four. Well, it really was. It was it was high octane explosions. Uh, there was a big like snake pit scene that was part of one of the ninja trials. And it was just it was and even, you know three quarters of the way through the movie, you still didn't know if snake eyes was a good guy or a bad guy. Cause he was doing a bunch of shifty oh. stuff. So I just, you couldn't really have a character that you could get behind. Um, it was just, it was, it was, it was dog meat to me. I just absolutely would recommend against it. But, uh, more, a little bit more briefly is that we went to go see the latest M night Shyamalama ding dong movie last night, which was old O L D, uh, about, uh, you know, some, uh, a family that, uh, goes wait, wait, is this movie about Madame Webb? Oh, it could, it could be. She was in, I think she was actually in there. She was the, she was the old lady who died right away because, um, you get this family, they, they have two kids. They have a daughter who's 11, a son who's six. They go to this resort, uh, and then they get dropped off to a special hidden private beach with other couples uh, that come to find out that they're actually part of an experiment uh, because the beach, uh, the metals or the cliff around it makes the people age at a phenomenal rate. Uh, the, trust me, the, the sci-fi rules of this are really all over the place. Um, the scripting and dialogue is just as bad as you would come to expect from uh, M. Night Shyamalan's later works, like uh, I think was that movie The Visit. Do you remember that one about the the kooky grandparents and the two kids? I never saw it, but I remember that was like his first movie that came back and kind of got him yeah. back to where he's now. Yeah. It was. It's kind of one of those. It reminds me of George Lucas and, and a statement that Harrison Ford once made about George Lucas. He says, George, you can write this dialogue, but you certainly can't say it. Because just th- that part didn't add up. Overall, it was a cool concept. Uh, I like the execution, but again, the 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 rules of the sci-fi universe of this were really all over the place. Um, but it was yeah. quite a thriller. So so I would I would recommend it. I still like his works. Again, you know, Sh- Shyamalama Ding Dong is kind of, it's kind of like the odd even rules of Star Trek. You know, he's going to get a good one, he's going to get a bad one. He might have mm-hmm. a couple bad ones in a row, but he'll circle back and there'll still be something interesting. Naturally, he puts himself in all of his films and some kind of heavy references to the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Or to Philadelphia in general, even though this this was filmed in the Dominican Republic. So nothing in Pennsylvania was harmed in the production of this film. 
It wasn't on the, uh, it was next to Three Rivers Stadium. They just put it on the yeah, river. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the Three Rivers crowd. But anyway, yeah, I would, uh, so in quick summary, Snake Eyes, not a chance. Avoid it like the plague. Old, go see it. I thought, uh, I thought, you know, if you can get past the dialogue, I thought a lot of it was really pretty great. Uh, one follow-up question on Snake Eyes, or I call it Snack Eye, because Snack Eye. Snack. He's a Isn't snack. He, though? Um, My God. Yes. Uh, really quick, though. Do they? I mean, there's probably end credit uh, teaser or something for something more coming. Is that kind of? Is there like something like this is the setup to something else? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there, there's okay. a scene at the end with with, with Storm Shadow, and the, yeah, there. But I'll tell you, with with what it sounds like, the box office is not delivering for this film. I consider it to be dead stick. But I could be wrong. You never know. But well, I, I mean, can it, wait for 45 days to see it on Paramount Plus. Well, you know what? And you may you may you may choose to to give it a, a scratch. That's totally up sure. to you. But yeah, I, I could not give the, I could not give this a more stern stay away. I'll give them two hours of my time, but no money. Two hours and one minute. Oh, that's too much. Oops. That's too much. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that is it for what we've been geeking out about. Good time had by all. Lots of good entertainment for everybody, which is awesome. Now that COVID is is, is hopefully going to get better, we'll have more time out at the movie theaters, which will even be better. But Charlie, you know what? We still love our favorite best vacation destination for all things nerdy, and that's the Thunderdome. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome! Thank you, Tina! We're sitting in Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or game to be entertained. And this week, we are talking about a comic. And that is called King in Black. Uh, this is from Marvel Comics. Uh, this came out December 2nd, 2020, part one. Uh, we all five now are out. And uh, that concludes the series. This is on Marvel Unlimited as well, if you want to read it there. Which makes it nice and easy to basically... Uh, Read this whole saga, which Charlie, oh, Charlie, man, oh, man. So the King in Black, just very quickly, it, this is about, this kind of is ties into Venom and the fact that apparently uh, the symbiotes are basically a, a separate species who are part of this planet. This king named Null created them in the right, dark as right. kind of one of their one of the sets of minions because he made dragons and all these other things. But he's kind of like the king of darkness. I guess that's right. we describe him. And so essentially he is trying to now invade the, the, the earth and take it over and to reclaim venom and the powers of all symbiotes across the universe. And this is the story. Yes, it is. And it's, it's, it, I, th I think so. Because again, I was familiar with this kind of in passing the planet of the symbiotes or whatever, because that was one of the, the spinoffs back in the heyday in the nineties of, cause you had, you know, Venom rolled out in, in the late eighties, you got carnage in the early nineties. And then the whole symbiote culture, explo cultural explosion. Scream and whatever. Yeah, yeah there's exactly, a million yeah. symbiotes. Yeah. That, that all. And then, it, and, and I don't remember the storyline of the planet of symbiotes, but it was, it was one of those, you know, it was like a, it was like a main title crossover. And then there were a couple of like, like an alpha and omega, like book ended, like giant size issues, whatever it is. I don't remember a damn thing about the plot line, but it's kind of funny thinking about this because what you just listen to you describe it, it kind of reminds me of the null and the, the, 
the symbiotes reminded me of like the Borg. Like I, we watch, we're, t- we're doing one of our last uh-huh. retro recaps for a long time over on Code uh, this week, uh, Star Trek First Contact, which is, of course, the Borg film for Star Trek The Next Generation. Kind of in a lot of ways the same thing. You know, they're, they're coming, they're coming to assimilate Earth, and, you know, uh, Data is the linchpin, but Picard was the linchpin. And so this story kind of employs a lot of that, like Eddie Brock is the linchpin, but his son, which uh-huh. I knew about his son just because I had read one of the other Venom crossovers. But again, his his son Dylan is a fairly recent innovation of a character. Um, and they don't they don't really do a lot of background about what all that means. But, you know, his son gets in the mix. And, um, you know, I, I kind of reached my point of maximum, del- uh, you know, kind of disillusion. Maximum delusion? delusion? <laughs> Ma- maximum uh, disillusion, I should say. Okay. Uh, with, with these big crossover stories, because everyone you read, you know, it's like the earth's going to be destroyed and the city is destroyed and it's destroyed around the earth and the, the war of the realms plus the secret empire plus the, it was the, I can't even remember the name of the one that I actually liked that came out last year. Was it, it was, it was the, um, it was a fantastic four Avengers one. What is that one that I really liked? Do you see how fleeting this is? Yeah, they get, they get to a point where there, these used to be more so one and then you didn't get another one for a long time. And then sometimes they were self-contained to a team. Sometimes right. they across the world. And, you know, so right. yeah, they, they, they become more so much more popular, especially as they kind of recreate, right. try to recreate things from the past. So this one felt a little right. bit different to me because I was not keeping up with, with, you know, Venom and Spider-Man to a certain extent, but apparently right. this all came out of um, the creators, Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman, uh, where right. they've kind of created this mythology that is really driven and they've been driving this the last three years. I remember we were at C2 E2 and I think we attended a, uh, the Marvel panel and they were talking about yeah. the next stage of a venom or whatever. And like, so they've been laying the groundwork and it was interesting because when I looked at Marvel limited and they had all of like the, pre- the prelude and then they had all the comics. Right. I just could not believe how many issues, if you wanted to be a completist, which by all means don't in this case, there was all these things leading up to King and Black, right. even in like the top right. of the corner would say like, this is, this is the one before the thing. This is the thing. Here's more things before the thing. And then actually in the series of comics, you had, you know, the, obviously the core comics, but then you had like crossovers between existing series, but then you actually had standalones that might have right. one, one shots, right, right. One, one not shoe. even one shots. Yep. You had some that were four issues, which I'm like, I don't even know what this is. And then it's like, there's a Black Panther one, but it's a one issue. But I was, I couldn't right. tell if this was like part of Black Panther, like a new series. And I'm like, I just don't understand the appeal of doing that. Versus, you know, I mean, just the, yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, certainly what the appeal is on their side, but yeah, no, I know exactly where you're coming from uh, because it was very similar with, we tried to lean in and it was actually, it was April's idea. She was like, I really want to lean into this war of the realms. And this was what, two years ago, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're like, we're going to lean into it and we're going to, you know, do the whole thing. And I, I was just looking this up because I wanted to, to just have kind of a cross section of what that looked like. So yeah, mm-hmm. prelude. Prelude, uh, six books. Main event was not just the five books that you and I were talking about, but because it's it's really distilled in there. But yeah, you've got main event is you know the handbook and regular Venom and King and Black Namor and King of Black Iron Man slash Doctor Doom, King and Black you know Sword, Sword Two, Sword. I mean Daredevil, Amazing Spider Man, Amazing. Well, see Amazing Spider Man, I haven't even been keeping up on because I discontinued my subscription and I'm just 
playing to read them this way. But yeah, okay. So they just have it broken to two events, but the main event one is like 25 books. And I just, it's a great, you know, and, and books are a minimum of $4 each. So do the math and, you know, I, I not even doing the math because it's like four bucks, four bucks, whatever it is. If I'm really digging it, I'll pay because you, you pay for entertainment. That's how entertainment continues to be made. It's a point that we really stress in everything that we do, you know, on the SFU and on the group and on all of our podcasts. Um, but if it's if, if the entertainment value is not there, which, again, I. You know, I struggled through the story because I'm like, uh, it's just Earth is like, how trash can Earth get before things are just rubble? Because there's, there is, you know, Atlantis is attacking and the, the Kree and the Shi'ar. There was the Kree and the Shi'ar one that was the real. Why can I not remember the name of it? Oh, it yeah. Me, yeah, I remember that one. Yep. Yep. A- absolutely driving me crazy. And I really did like it, but I don't remember what the hell it was called anymore i feel terrible yeah no we had we had it's funny because i i bookmarked some of these we had secret empire we had uh we had the secret wars with the war zones and that was split all up. we had civil war you know a number of years back secret invasion original sin uh avengers versus x-men access and then there was another one uh before that um so, you know, yeah, if you even just, I'm just looking at Marvel Unlimited while we're talking, but yeah, even if I go to, you know, the events tab on, um, on here, yeah, you get, you know, all the different ones out there, you know, Blood and Thunder, Dark Rain, you know, Fall of the Hulks, can't, you know, it's just, they, they just, they, they, they're just, you know, or all the, the, all the ones that happened with the X-Men, Todd, that within the last couple of years you were trying to keep up with, I know. Um, well, yeah. I was just, oh, that was called Empire, Charlie, was the last one. Oh, thank you. 2020. Right. So it looks like Marvelous. It's funny because uh, I looked at most years one. 2014, they did three. Uh, 2015, they did one. 2016, they did one. 2017, they did three. And then they, yeah, so they've kind of narrowed those down now to one a year, which, which is perfectly fine. Um, but they are trying to get their money's worth it. And, and that's where I would say, folks, if you are interested in this one, because we actually need to talk about it, Charlie. <laughs> we actually talked right. about the thing we're going to talk about. But in this in this sense, so we'll break this down. This basically is five issues long. There are crossovers in existing series, and then there are standalone series or one shots and also like multiple part shots that are standalone as well. So um, if you want, and you really like a character and their involvement in this, there's many ways to check that out. But if you right. want really a, just the capsulation of the event and, and you don't have to really feel like you missed out on anything, issue one through five was perfectly fine. I didn't feel like I missed something that happened somewhere else that I really didn't know. So I'm like, okay, perfect way to do it. The extra stuff is supplemental, but it doesn't detract and make me spend more money to get something out of the story. Perfect right. approach to it. So, um, yeah. So I, like I said, I don't dip my toe into a lot of monthly Marvel books. So a lot of these events are my way to really understand where characters are at. So I appreciate right. that. Um, in this instance, it was a weird mix of X-Men, Avengers, Spider-Man. Um, yeah. I mean, it was just, it wasn't like one core character or one group at all, but very much I would say the terrestrial Marvel characters. There wasn't a lot of space characters in this. Um, so it was kind of contained in the amount of characters actually who were involved, which I kind of liked because I didn't feel like there was 85 teams and 85 members doing something. You kind of stick with it. Venom was the core of this book, um, which was cool uh, because Eddie Brock has, and I always thought about this. And one thing I will say is above all, 
Venom and Eddie Brock might have one of the coolest story arcs in all of comics. If you think about where he's gone, where he started as, you know, all of these things and, and, the, and the character of Venom, where he's been. But Eddie Brock, I mean, kind of a, a you know, we thought he was just going to be a villain all along. And then he, the where he's come and where he ends on this book, too. It's like, wow. I mean, that's pretty impressive to, to have that type of work with someone who we would consider a villain. True. Yeah. And so someone who came from humblish origins and he wasn't a great guy, but then he had turns around and and saves the known universe for now and kills the bad guy for now. But again, Noel kind of strikes me like the Borg Queen, like, oh yeah, he 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 dies off at the end of this, but you know, the Borg Queen dies off at the end of first contact, but then obviously she's back because the you know the Borg are eternal. And so yeah, are these these symbiotes eternal now? Um, despite the fact that, you know, at the end Venom literally flies off into the sunset and the dragons are following him and stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's very fantastical and you're right. It's, it's strange to see Venom coming from a place where he was introduced in Spider-Man and quickly became, you know, a sensation of his own and Spider-Man's biggest villain. Uh, and to now that Spider-Man plays a, just a very tiny part, certainly. And, and again, we read just this five part story without reading the 25 issue main event as it was billed here. Um, because it, because it could tell a comprehensive story and we could really figure out what was going on and thank God for that because other than that yikes there was there was a whole lot there was a there's a whole lot going on here yeah I mean there's probably parts in those side stories and things that kind of built on because I mean you had characters show up and, and kind of the it, it felt kind of like the, the easy button was pushed in some aspects but you knew there was some right. heavy lifting done off the page somewhere else. Um, right. And a lot of the levers that were pulled, like um, essentially, and I'm just going to give a couple story beats that I thought were cool. Um, you had obviously, you know, one of the things that kept on saying, where's Thor at? Where's Thor? At? I don't know where Thor was at, but obviously he was doing something. So He's obviously pushing. he must have been held back. And then he right. shows up and we had a really cool battle sequence with Thor and Null. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of ended. And then we also, then we had another cool uh, sequence where we're going to get somebody else to show up. And we find it's Silver Surfer. And that's right. Kind of totally. And then we get another one that shows up. It's Marvel Girl, you know, Jean Grey coming up out of the right. blue. And right, right. Yeah. So I thought they did some interesting things. I mean, the, I don't know if you want to call it the uh, Deus Machina or whatever. We basically, what happens, I mean, in the, the big picture is we've got this instance where Null is kind of the dark, but there's always a, always a balance. So we get the god of light, I guess they would call him. Um, and we didn't right. know who that was. Well, then we found out it's like a throwback to just this one character that I don't know if anybody truly knows a lot about Captain uh, uh, um, what is it, Captain Universe? Yeah, I do, I do, I do. I know this one because because it yeah. it, it, it visited upon Spider Man once upon a time. It did, and yes. and because of you know the Spider Verse is the multiverse. There's still that. Captain Universe Spider-Man character exists on another Earth, yeah. blah blah blah. But yeah, it, exactly. It's this, you know, it's it's like the it's like the Green Lantern ring. You know, you they get chosen to do something noble, and they're you know fair of heart, and and that's what ends up happening. Obviously, to Eddie Brock, who lie, you know lies, he's hooked up to a bunch of machines because he fell off a building, broken in half, blah blah. This imbibes him with this energy, and then he launches into battle to take on Null, and he summons. Uh, this was awesome. He summons Silver Surfer's board. And he summers, summons Mjolnir, and he sticks them together as a damn weapon. That was, yeah, that was, yeah, it was like yeah. Stormbreaker. That that was totally crazy. And even Thor himself was just uh, was left aghast uh, that 
Venom was noble enough to wield Mjolnir, which, you know, even though that's not a thing in the movies anymore, even though we got a taste of that in, in Endgame that we saw Cap wield Mjolnir, that's not, you know, that's not small potatoes. That's a big deal. Um, yeah, and I think so, that, like, that like, yeah. I was going to say, Charlie, I think that tied into, like, so his character development, he finally became worthy, right? I mean, right. And he talked about, I'm the king of second chances. He's died multiple times. Eddie Brock, you know, and it all came down to protecting his son and, and doing this thing. And and I was just looking at this uh, Captain Universe, or, or yeah, Captain Universe, the first person he uh, took over, his first appearance, Micronauts number eight. <laughs> wow. I don't even think that that's something that Marvel doesn't have a license anymore. Uh, and no. I was sometimes listening to it in another comic, like uh, things like, like GI Joe or uh, ROM space Knight don't exist in Marvel parlance anymore because they, they lost the license. So it's funny that you mentioned something like that because it's, it's, it's not even really Canon anymore in some ways because, no. No. because, because you're not supposed to, you can't get it anywhere. So it just, it just doesn't exist. No, so I mean, like to your point, he, he basically to this force that possesses people, but it's all powerful and everything, but it's fleeting, right? You don't maintain right. it; it's never kept; it's always passed along. And that was a very cool moment. I do want to talk about one moment that I thought was really surprising at the very beginning. I think it was issue number one, where they're like, um, you know, Null is breaking through. He's got this army of dragons. They've got this Kree, uh, Shi'ar like leftover. Uh, arsenal that they try to use and it doesn't take enough of them down. And, you know, uh, it was very cool. And they're still waiting. They're like, Hey, do we have that, 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 um, special, um, I don't know, force or weapon ready to go. Not yet. Not yet. And then they call in Bob, AKA Sentry, which Sentry talk about one of the characters that has such a weird, like he's hated. A lot of people don't like him. I mean, it was the flim flam that he was invented and people said, Oh, he was the original Marvel character. Stanley even mentioned it, but it was all flim flam because it was a Mm -hmm. character created. Mm -hmm. He's, he's mentally unstable, but he's got this ability to basically be Marvel Superman. He's brought in, he's going to take down null, going to take him apart. He, he takes down a Sentinel, like or not a Sentinel, uh, 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 eternal. Eternal, no, 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 celestial, uh, celestial, yeah, takes him down. I'm like, holy crap, this is going to end quickly, and it did not end quickly. So I don't know. I mean, just like, oh god, he took out Sentry in a way that I don't know if Sentry's coming back. I don't know if he's like one of those immortals, like he'll eventually put himself back together. But I'm like, whoo! So that was kind of cool. Right. No. Yeah. No. I dug it, and like I said, I those parts were all very cool. Um, but again, the, the the Marvel formula of the crossover that it's epics with the crazy stakes and everything's going to blow up and explode or whatever, and you're going to wreck the earth. And then there's 48 different crossovers. I just um, it's it, it's tough, um, but it's nice because again, you and I have both transitioned to the way that we're consuming Marvel comics or comics in general is that we're doing it off of here and then on DC Infinite and then obviously over on Comixology. So yeah, I just this was such a tonal shift for Venom, but I know the last. Venom crossover that I read left me very, very flat. Where this was, this was more of a sci fi bent cosmic deal, which I think is kind of cool with Marvel. So, yeah, I thought, I thought that this, this was, this was a kind of a crazy change of pace. Yeah, we're left at the end. There is stakes, hopefully. That means that Venom will have a new status quo. And with that, I don't know what they're going to do with it. How does it play out? Because essentially, he is now officially the lethal protector, as he was dubbed back in the 90s when he was trying to be a good guy, you know. But he's, he and Eddie seem to be symbiotic 
uh, versus sim in regards to like just they're equals and they support each other actually have a, a relationship now, which seems to be caring and loving and accepting. And yeah, I, I will see where that goes. And you know what? I, I now will only think of Tom Hardy's accent when I read Eddie Brock from now on. Oh my gosh! Yikes, Mister So and So, blah blah blah. Ugh. I love it. No. I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, that is uh, that's a wrap, huh? So I don't. Okay. Well, no. Let's. Uh, what? What? One out. One out of ten. Uh, uh, symbiotes. What would you give this if you were to give this a rating? You know, I'll give it a seven point five symbiotes because it was entertaining and it was quick and it didn't feel like any parts dragged. You know, I will go with a with a maybe maybe a solid six, uh, just because I, I grew a little weary of the format, um, but I also enjoyed the tonal shift. I thought that that was cool to take Venom from a character that was very Spider Man. All I care about is killing Spider Man. To being like you know, and I'm going to save my son, and I'm going to save the world, and I'm going to take on this uh, new persona. So they found a way to kind of take the character to a different plateau. And I think that that should be celebrated. That's good stuff. If you just ignored those other comics and didn't think they existed, given a, a couple of points. That's why I, I ignored the other things. <laughs> that's good. You And you can do that with comics because you know what? It, 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 if, if you don't see it, it's not there. <laughs> Marvel, Marvel Unlimited makes it very cheap to try them and then skip. Yeah. If you want try them, try them and dump them. Well, that's about the size of it, friends. So if I'm not mistaken, uh, we are up on out of here. Thank you, friends, for joining us. I'm going to tell you, as always, that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In a truck. Ah, snack eyes. Podcast you just listened to is part of the Secret Friends Podcasting Network. Uh, find us over at secretfriendsunite.com for our four awesome shows. Co-op Mode, Code 47, The Holocron Chronicles, and Secret Friends Unite. Please rate and subscribe to us uh, on iTunes and also over on our YouTube channel. Find us over on Twitter at Secret Friends U and find our merch store over at TeePublic. Uh, 